low win rates, excessive discounting, challenging negotiations. Welcome to the Sales Readiness Podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Sales Readiness Group. We're an industry-leading sales training company that helps businesses develop highly effective sales organizations. This podcast is about one question, how to transform your team into big performers. If you want the answer, keep listening. If you want it faster, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast. We're going to kick things off and talk a little bit about why we should do this, why it's important, and what executives, key executives, KEs, what key executives care about. And then I'm actually going to turn the slides off and we're just going to have a conversation about some of the things we can do to better engage and access and meet with those executives as we go along. <clears throat> we'll love to get some uh, audience participation uh, as, as we go through here as well. And as Alonzo mentioned, just thrilled with the turnout. Uh, I think it's one of our record-breaking webinars. Uh, and just from a participation standpoint, uh, everyone I saw in Nigeria, I saw Bangalore, I saw Canada, North America, South America. I think we've got just about every continent other than Antarctica covered here. So uh, it's a great global audience. Thanks, thanks for joining us. So let's go ahead and jump in. You know, Bob, we talked about the, the evolving landscape and I, I think it's fair, you know, that the point we're not going back. We don't know exactly what, you know, necessarily the future looks like, but it's not going to be, okay, dust off the bag and, and let's go out into the field and let's do things the way we we're doing. There's going to be some hybrid mix to everything we do, both from our work standpoint and the way we engage clients. And we know that some industries, particularly financial services, medical, high tech, and I'd probably add, you know, retail and transportation have had their hospitality, have had their own challenges, right, separate. But from a B2B sales team perspective, I know these are areas you focus on. Maybe you could share what do you see with this evolving landscape and, you know, kind of what does that meant for you? Yeah, um, Ray, if, I, if we look back over the last couple of years, um, I think we have all been through stages of change. And, uh, you know, initially, how can we be effective in a modality like this meeting through video? Um, and we spent a lot of time on that. How can we how can we do that well? And and we have been through steps and stages of refining what that means the way we have would normally have defined intricate sales process, steps in any sales campaign different industries doing things differently. And we've learned a lot. I, I would say for my own sellers uh, and for our clients, we, we are uh, some high percentage of the way through having this defined in ways that can be backed up by results, backed up by data, backed up by proof and trends we've seen in sales effectiveness uh, as it relates to some percentage of face-to-face -face and virtual, understanding at what stages of certain sales campaigns and workflows is virtual actually more effective than anything we could do face-to-face? -face? And where do we need to be face-to-face -face at times to kick off key parts of a relationship? But uh, across financial services and med device and high-tech and, and other industries, there are some variations, but like in many of the things we all learn in enablement leadership and sales leadership, that uh, there's probably a lot of commonality up to a certain line where some of the industry variation takes over, but there's a lot of things we've learned that can be applied to everybody. So 
Um, the stages uh, have have allowed us time to perfect it, and uh, we are we are starting to see some amazing results. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting. We saw early on in in COVID, so early in 2020, a lot of uh, desire and demand for virtual sales training. You know, what does that mean to sell over Zoom or Teams or or whatever platform? Uh, and then I think people realized, okay, that's table stakes now, right? We need to be able to engage. We need to be able to have that in our quiver. And at the same time, realize when should we be going out or when can we get that face-to-face? And even on a training standpoint, doing virtual training, but then it's great to get together from a uh, sales kickoff or a quarterly business review or you know, having those face-to-face collaborative moments. And we'll talk a little bit about the collaborative training aspect as we go forward. But I think, yeah, I think that the environment certainly changed. We need to meet our buyers where they are and be flexible enough to adapt. And I think what's really interesting is to think about how have executives changed? And we have some stats we'll share on this, but the C-suite's adapting as well, right? They've been on back-to-back Zoom meetings and Teams meetings and, and now engaging. And now they're looking at uh, you know the, the future, thinking about some of the headwinds or in, and financial constraints and you know maybe pausing for a moment or thinking about that a little bit differently. So I'd be curious, Bob, you know, as you're thinking about executives that your team's selling to and who you're engaging, seems like they're even more involved and, and maybe more engaged on those types of technology and uh, solutions and hybrid types of tools. What are you seeing out there and how are executives coming at that from, from your perspective? Yeah, sure. I think um I think sort of logically, as this all evolved, executives realized uh, from their teams and, and from a business perspective and, and how to drive results that they had to be involved in this, this series of changes because it, they were major changes and they were going to affect the way, you know, all the key selling and marketing workflows um, sort of get get executed within the companies. The other thing is that some of the big analysts you know, we hear a lot from McKinsey and Gartner, and it seems that Accenture, it seems that, that a lot of the analysts who fo- have focused on technology transformation and, and business process transformation for years had to dip into this. And so executives, by extension, learned from some of those relationships they have with some of the key analysts. The analysts um, have contacted all of us that are that are that represent technologies that that help improve how we adapt and um yeah i think this has been raised up to the executive level what what is virtual and face to face what is hybrid what are the new methodologies how can we quickly get you know drive effectiveness with it yeah so let's talk a little bit about you know what what are the challenges then of of addressing that and as we're going to walk through, how do we get access and and how do we be more effective when we actually get a seat at the table, right? Or we or we get that meeting. But I'd love to get some interaction from the team first. So we just have a quick chat, and you know the chat's already been very active. So please jump in uh, and remember go go chat to everyone if you would. Um, what are the biggest challenges you see selling to key executives? So what's getting in the way now? What are some of the challenges your teams are running into? Uh, and you know, just while we're waiting for that, Bob, I'd love to get your thoughts. What are what are some of the headwinds or challenges you see 
with getting access and and selling to those executives these days. Yeah. Yes. Some of them are are um, are the traditional challenges we have, which are um, getting executives interested in and and focused on what sometimes appear to be operational processes. So training, uh, enablement, and some of the things that need to be executed so well in order for sales teams to to perform, it, it some of the executives are just trusting of the leaders that run those functions to know how to do that well. Well, the getting to the executive through those various functions means helping people understand how it impacts business, not just how it impacts training, uh, how it impacts business, not just how it impacts a sales process. Um, and, and so we we get executive attention and we get into executive conversation by you know just doing things that we know we have to do, uh, linking the 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 modern, in our case, modern sales enablement definition to business results uh, and and business effectiveness. And as I say, there's a lot of top down pressure and and visibility on that as well. So it's it's I would say overall, it's been easier to get executives into these conversations. Mm-hmm. If you if you have something relevant to say, right, or sure. you can make that connection, and I think you know we're seeing a lot of great comments uh, in the chat, a lot around getting access, right? We get voicemail, we get gatekeepers. You know, the ex- executives are busy, um, their doors are closed, or maybe they're not even working in the office, so now we can't can't find an office number. You know, sometimes they don't have a VoIP, so you can't even pick up the phone. But I think all of this speaks to we have to be, you know, ruthlessly relevant, as I heard somebody say, we really need to figure out what's on their mind. And we need to, even in a down market or, or tight budget situation, we need to make it so compelling that it would, you know, be a disservice for them not to meet with you, right? Where, where you're going to create budget or you're going to save them money or you're going to get them new customers or whatever that is that's top of their mind. How do you relate that? As Roberto says, connecting to their value drivers and bringing relevant credentials into the conversation. So we're going to talk about all of these. Um, I think it's really important to think, put yourself in their shoes uh, and and really understand their perspective before we start launching those sequences or sending those emails uh, yeah. to those meetings. Yeah. Ray, the other thing I would say related to that is that um, we're finding that that again, nobody has this figured out. So if we think that, you know, executives in even the largest areas of some of these industries, they, they, that they've, they've figured it out or they're working with some analyst who's helping them solve it, it's just not true. So one of the techniques specific to some of the questions being asked, one of the really good techniques is we're saying, meet with us for 30 minutes and we'll share with you what some of your peers, your industry peers are finding and thinking about and doing. We've launched hour-long roundtable sessions, small group roundtables, and it's amazing the number of people who are accepting and the, and the levels of people who are accepting to come to those just to hear from peers what's happening and how people are starting to solve for these changes. Uh, no one's got it figured out. So if you can offer even just a forum to talk about it, I think you you start to uh, 
get some good results from that. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, being, bringing that insight and, and being compelling, as you said, sharing, Hey, this is what your peers are doing. Are, are you mm-hmm. curious um, to break through that noise? A lot of great, you know, comments about the uh, Terry mentions, convincing them to take time to meet with us, right? You have to have an insight to share that will motivate them. That's really at the key. We're going to talk about um, determining which ones to meet with, as Linda said. So we need to understand those personas, who are the likely ones and how do we get to them? And then even Samir mentions, how do we move to a compelling discussion? So executives are pressed for time and we better realize uh, their time is money, literally. And what is it that's going to be important enough for them to give up time? <clears throat> so, you know, there's some interesting stats. <clears throat> this was a, uh, from a survey that Chorus did, but I, I think it's really relevant. They looked at over 500,000 sales calls and they found a couple of things were happening these days. One is CXOs were participating in buying decisions more often during the pandemic. So in other words, the scrutiny has gone up and maybe it's easier to jump into that virtual meeting. So they're more likely to show up, but we better plan for that. And we better ask our sponsor, you know, who else is coming. Um, And I think they're looking at those buying decisions. They're scrutinizing the budget. So they're more likely to be there. But the other side of that is we found that if we can engage the CXO, that chief, whatever officer, earlier in the uh, cycle, our win rates go up significantly. So they mm-hmm. saw a 38% increase. So, you know, the compelling event to say, well, how do we get to them? And we ne- need to be relevant again in that conversation um, is really what we're going to, where we're going to go and what we're going to talk about. I don't know. Any other thoughts on this, Bob? Um, no, I think some of that research, we have, we have, um, we have um, so kind of smaller forms of it that, again, we're hearing from groups of customers around. Uh, it's some of this is how the how the CXO, uh, as a as a decision maker, ultimate decision maker in some of these these campaigns, how their behavior is changing, how they want to receive information, how they consume information, um, same sorts of things. Do they want to meet, or do they want to? Uh, have information fed to them through some of these new modalities so that they can understand um, how, how just how to compare and how to how to solve some of the challenges. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, you know, again, we want to look at some of that that data, think about it, and then you know, let let's talk about uh, what the goal is. Right, we we may have been in these positions before. Right, we're on the outside <clears throat> trying to break into a new account. We may be a vendor, but we're really treated as one of many, you know, hey, send us your proposal and maybe we'll look at it. Maybe we have a relationship where we're one of a few. And so they rely on us. But what's really key to selling to the key executives is we need to think like that executive. We need to develop those relationships and really become that trusted advisor or partner where we're, you know, literally here inside the circle, right? We're inside. They're calling us for insights or we can have those conversations about where they're they're heading. And so, you know, that's the goal. And I think that's why it's so important, you know, the stats prove it out. But if we do that, we're more likely to win the deal. We should be spending our time thinking about how we elevate those conversations and the purpose and reasons, right? It positions us as that strategic partner. As we do that, there's less price sensitivity. It's more focused on business value. So margins typically go up. The decision-making process can get uh, compressed because we actually have the decision-makers there. We may be able to see additional opportunities uh, because, again, we're meeting with people who have multiple needs they're trying to solve. 
and you know it, it insulates us and and creates a situation where they're less likely to go to the competition if we're able to have those conversations. So that's the goal. It's easier said than done, but um, let's talk about you know how we can do that uh, and and what are some of the things we can put into play. And we'll talk about how do you train your team, right? How do you execute on that as well? So you know just to set that up and. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Bob, because it's it really is from your perspective and also from uh, you know the the clients you're calling on, understanding what the key executives care about and how we position that. And when we look across the industry, they're really trying to answer some key questions, right? So, and I think the first is probably the foremost, the most important that we should be thinking about, which is what business outcome or problem can you help them solve? Right? What can you help them achieve? So put yourself in the executive's shoes. Uh, what can you do for us? Why are you different? I've had that question like, hey, I get 20 of these calls a day. What, why are you different? How can you help me with this problem? How are you going to impact the organization and stakeholders in a positive way? Because that's what the executives get measured on. Are, are you going to be a partner we want to work with long term? So I've got lots of choices, but it, you know, do you fit the culture? Do you understand our business and where we're going? And what's the long-term value? Like, can you bring me something I don't know? Can you provide an insight? Anything else you'd add to this list, Bob? Or do, the, do these resonate with you? Um, they, they all resonate. I, I would say that I find it, it, it's difficult for any seller, I would say no, any, almost any industry, almost any company, to call an executive and expect to get reaction. So what we need to do is work up through the layers of that decision to the executive who if if that executive is truly the decision maker and there's only one decision maker in most of these opportunities right it's we think of people through different these different sales methodologies they influence or they de, or they decide but right the getting to that executive it's all of these things certainly business outcomes certainly as we were talking about earlier, Ray, that we're starting to see some of the some of the business leaders uh, have real concern about the economy, about the the rate of business growth, about how it's going to affect their company and their industry. So some of we, we need to appeal to the things that they are worried about. But I would say if if you're in a disruptive um, solution area, and we happen to sell something that's pretty disruptive. There's better ways of of learning than the traditional means. There's better ways of sales content management than the traditional means. Better ways of coaching. Better ways of virtual selling. Better ways of of revenue intelligence and those kinds of things. That you're selling disruption or you're selling change. You you have to make the people who you interact with every day fluent in that so that they can be selling for you within their organizations. I think only when the executive starts to hear from their own people that you need to speak to this company because they've got a different way of thinking or a unique way of thinking or a more complete way of thinking about this, that's when we get executive attention. Cold calling executives, I don't know, I've been doing this a long time. I don't think that's ever worked unless you happen to be lucky enough to be in a in a company or in, or an industry where your solution is so unique that they can't ignore it. Yeah. No, and 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 I think you're right that um, how likely are they to to take that message? We're going to talk about some ways to gain access, but um, Mike asked the question. You know, are you saying to work the deal from the bottom up? 
And at least I would say it's both, right? It's, it's both it's and. It's got to be both. Yeah, yeah, let's be realistic. You got to map the both. organization, yeah. understand the landscape. If you can develop some coaches that can help inform and provide insights. And at the same time, we're really trying to get in the head of that executive to say, what's top of mind for them? And what are they really going to, what's going to resonate with them that you can put in front of them? And then ideally, can somebody give you an introduction or a referral to get in there? Yeah. In in some of some of the chat questions, um, I know like Terry, when you ask that question, you're thinking about certain industries and manufacturing, yeah, supply chain, or or everyone's thinking about customer buying trends or or again, even buyer behavior. There's so many studies now on how buyer behavior has changed. But I just give you some real examples. In financial services, we have a lot of market share in our business uh with the big global asset managers in financial services. Their sellers are called wholesalers. They sell to financial advisors. Pretty simple model. The way that the financial advisors want to be dealt with now versus two years ago is completely different. And so we just got off a call, small roundtable with some executives from the asset management teams. I can tell you that the exec, they don't know yet what, what they need to do, what they need to change to drive effectiveness of their wholesalers calling on advisors. They know the advisors don't want face-to-face meetings because in that industry, the financial advisors saying, if I'm gonna meet with someone face-to-face, it's gonna be with one of my own clients, not with my wholesaler. And for 25 years, the wholesalers did business almost exclusively through handshake, lunch, face-to-face meeting. This has been hugely disruptive to these people. And so if, if you think about the executive, as the person who's running that wealth management practice, and how am I going to get to that person to have them look at my BlackRock products or my MFS products or my Invesco products, you know, more so than my competitors, they, they're going to have to do something different than they were doing in the past. And it's not as simple as high level, you know, I have a different solution or I have a different outcome. They, they, there's creativity that needs to be applied to these interactions. And I will tell you, there's no shortage of technology to help you do it. And there's no shortage of capability in of what we would call asynchronous communication to help you do it. Because if, if we're still depending on getting the call or getting the appointment with the executive and having a, a Zoom or a Teams meeting with an executive, someone's doing something more than that. And calling high has always been a good cliche, but you gotta you got to call at all levels. Yeah, no, and I think it's important. And there's some good good chats here as well. Terry, you know, talked about are they really focused on these five questions, or are they more concerned with these macro issues like supply yeah. chain and customer buying trends? And it's both, right? I mean, they're interested in what outcomes can you help them achieve within this context of what's going on, which we're going to talk about why you need to go to school on their industry, on their company, on that individual as well. Yeah. And so you need to have that context in mind to go in and talk about outcomes you can help them with, given their context. And then, you know, uh, Kenneth talked about, well, the lower rungs may not understand the big picture, and that's fine, but they can help inform, like, hey, help me understand what Bob's priorities are, what are some of the things that are happening, and then if we've done our homework, we've read the annual report, the quarterly report, their press releases, we kind of understand what some of those trends might be, some of those challenges. 
um, chances are you can find that information, go in and validate, hey, how important is this expansion in Asia? How important is this cost reduction uh, effort that you have going on? You know, how's that impacting things? So when we get that meeting or we're trying to get that meeting, we can plant those seeds. We're not saying, oh, hey, Bob, what keeps you up at night? Right. Right. And I learned early on, you know, it's like one, my sleep habits are really none of your business and I sleep just fine. Right. Don't don't worry about my sleep. No, you need to go in and say, I understand there are three priorities that are affecting your industry these days. How are you addressing it? That's a much different conversation. Yeah. One of the earlier chats was just that was, isn't this really still about finding pain? And absolutely. Yes. So we train our people to do first and foremost. And, you know, we've got to, we've got to know what we're solving for. So. Yeah. So let's, let's keep going. I'd love to get some, some comments from the group here. Um, We're going to talk about, you know, how do you get those meetings? Then what do you do when you get there? We've kind of, you know, set the backdrop of why we think it's important. And most people would probably log in. Right. Uh, But Let's talk about this pretty simple model. We have this RAMP uh, acronym, RAMP model that we use because it's a great way to categorize the thought process, right? Patricia just mentioned research to know the issue. So starts with research. We're going to get into access. How do you actually get access to them? What does a meeting look like? And and how do we show up to be be relevant and compelling? Uh, And then what does a proposal look like? Again, all within the context of key executives, because we need to think a little bit differently than maybe our standard sales process or the standard way that we're, uh, you know, pitching, if you will, uh, or, or providing a demo. So we're going to kind of walk our way around. I'm going to uh, pause the, the share here because if you can remember RAMP, Research, Access, Meet, and Propose, uh, then let's just have a conversation about this. And I think it'll be really interesting as we go uh, to get some input from from the group. So talking about research, so that's the first area. I'm going to open up a poll here, and I'd love to get thoughts from the group on uh, why one of the reasons why research is so important. But I'm going to open this up. Uh, What percentage of sales meetings do executives think are a waste of their time? So people may have seen some of these studies. uh, You know, maybe they have an inclination but is it less than 20, 20 to 40, 40 to 60, 60, 80, 80% or more? Um, and uh, yeah, let's see, see what people think. We've got the poll open. We'll give po- folks just a few more minutes or a few more seconds here. Yeah, so I think we're, understanding the theme here, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, share the results. So pretty interesting. Uh, nobody said less than 20 or a few that said, yeah, 20 to 40, but the vast majority said either 60 to 80, 40% of the audience today, or 80% or more. And I've seen different numbers on this, but if we combine those, so at least 60% of the audience said, yeah, it, it's 61 to hundred percent, somewhere in that range. Um, what Forrester said when they, or HBR said when they just looked at this was 71% of meetings executives said were unproductive or inefficient. And when Forrester looked at this, they said 80% of those meetings, the sales executive said were not productive of sales meetings. And I think it's fascinating if we're, you know, kind of thinking about, we work really hard to get these meetings, but the executives don't value it. And there are really two reasons they said why they're not why they don't value is one 
the sales rep doesn't understand their industry and what's going on, and they don't understand their business. So they're not relevant. And even though we may think we're doing our research or, or we're prepared, the executive's like, you know what, you don't really get us. So I'll just share one other uh, thought on this, and I'd love to get your, your perspective, Bob. When they asked about research, they asked the reps, how well do you think you do preparing and doing that research for a key executive meeting? And they gave themselves a B. So the, uh, the sales rep said, yeah, I'll give myself a B. Um, you can imagine, what do they think the executives, what kind of grade do they, they give the sales rep for uh, being prepared for those meetings, right? They failed them. They gave them an F. So there's a disconnect, obviously, between what sales thinks is good and what the executives are actually perceiving. But the executives thought they failed in being prepared for those meetings. So if you're working really hard uh, to get the meeting, we need to work probably even harder to be compelling and relevant and understand. We're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like. But any thoughts on that in terms of uh, the, the poll or those other metrics? Yeah, it, just from managing a sales team, I mean, I I think everyone would agree that if preparation involves um, a model that we've put in place for our business and we know what types of things we need to be prepared with about the customer before we're going to meet with a with a customer leader at any level, then there should be no variation. It doesn't matter if I have someone who just came out of new hire or someone who's been with my company five or 10 or 15 years there shouldn't we shouldn't leave it up to the free thinking of the seller to decide how prepared they think they are or not right these are the type types of things where we should have models for what good preparation looks like and ensure and inspect that everyone has has been accessing the information that helps to get them prepared i think there's far too much um, sort of generalization around get prepared with the right company information before you meet with an executive well, a lot of salespeople don't know what that means. So we shouldn't, there should be no uh, risk in that sort of part of the campaign or that part of the cycle. No, and, and it's interesting. There's a lot of great comments, by the way. Thank you so much for the collaboration around, you know, understanding their industry. Uh, Howard mentioned even industry alignment. You know, some sales teams can do that and that's great. Uh, as a consultant, I was aligned by industry uh, doing management consulting because you became an expert, right, in that particular industry. That's not always the case. Sometimes we're calling across multiple industries. That's right. But understanding enough, and we have a very simple acronym, ICP is industry, company, and person. So thinking about that prior to and doing a deep dive at the executive level, this isn't just filling out a call planner, but understanding the industry, people may have heard the PEST model, right? But in the industry, what's going on politically with that industry? So regulatory issues, political issues that may be affecting them. What's going on economically? Are they growing? Are they shrinking? Are there budgetary concerns? What's going on socially within that industry? So the demographics, the buying behavior, uh, the growth of, of the population within that industry and understanding tech, right? So again, PEST, uh, the tech side of it, what's disrupting that industry and, and what's coming out? So we almost need to do our little grad school uh, exercise to go to school on the industry if we don't know it well, and then go to school on the company within that industry and think about, well, how are they impacted by the political, economic, social, and technology side, and then look at the person. And unfortunately, I think when we often do call plans, we're like, oh, yeah, 
uh, I looked at the website and LinkedIn, and I found three things that I like about that person that I can bring up. Well, guess what? This is different. We need to do a little uh, mini research project and really dive in and try to understand from their perspective what is keeping them up. I wouldn't ask that question, but what is keeping them up at night related to what's going on with their business and 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 the industry they work in? The other thing we do, Ray, in, in taking it maybe even a level deeper on the person that we're meeting with is we have a simple tool that allows us to do quick personality profiling on these individuals because everyone has such a public social persona these days. So if I, I, I know before I'm going to meet with someone and my sellers know before they're going to meet with someone, if it's someone they don't know well or have never met, they're going to know, is this where on we use disc, but where in the disc persona profile does this person sit? So I know whether or not they want to have a five minute conversation about our families before we start, because some people don't, or maybe they, you know, they are uh, very prone to wanting to see data to back up every point that is made. Well, I better know that before I go into that discussion. So there are, there are great tools and methods now, not just to prepare about the company and about their pain and about their competitors and about their financial models, but who is that person and what? how much can I know about that person before I ever meet with them? A lot these days because everyone has a social profile of some kind. And it isn't, again, it isn't random research. I'm not just going to LinkedIn and seeing what I can find about that person. We're using tools so that every seller is getting the same information in a consistent way to prepare. Absolutely. And I think we can take a, a, a play from marketing uh, on this side, which is, you know, they talk a lot about marketing personas. If they're looking at the website, okay, what does the persona of a buyer look like? Well, we need to get to the next level for our particular offering. What is that persona? So, you know, if you're selling to the chief technology officer, they care about very different things than the chief marketing officer or the chief financial officer. So we need to understand what metrics do they use? What language do they use? If we show up and throw up with our our spec, right, and we're talking to a C-level who's really more interested in the business outcome, we're going to completely lose them. And even on the tech side, if we're talking to that CTO, but we don't understand how this is going to affect their risk, their budget, you know, their operations, their headcount, um, and and we just talk about user issues or or uh, you know bugs that we can fix for them, you know, again, we're going to lose them. So we need to target that. We need to focus in the messaging and doing that research allows us to get access. So if we're working away around the corner, right, we've done the research, we're thinking about access strategies. And you mentioned it earlier, ideally, if we can get a referral or a connection, that's going to be the best way to get that meeting, right? Our chances of booking that meeting with an executive. So if you know somebody, you have a client, you find that connection on LinkedIn, maybe we can leverage our executives having that VIP level uh, connection to get that referral, it's going to go up for right? our chances of meeting, but we don't always have that. So, you know, a couple of other things to think about is what's a compelling reason they would meet with you. And Bob, you mentioned that if you can talk about, you have research, you have a case study, you have some compelling information related to how others have solved a problem that's top of mind, that's great. Or we can bring an insight. Let me show this research we've just done, this white paper. I'd love to present to you. Uh, what's happening in the industry and provide some education. Again, tell them something they don't know. 
be curious your thoughts on on any of those or any other um, things that get your attention, you know, as an executive when somebody reaches out. Yeah, it, it's, you know, we all get so much outreach today. Um, I get pinged like everybody on this call uh, 10 times a day by someone trying to sell me something. They want to sell me, you know, more effective lead generation or more effective uh, funnel analysis yeah. or just, it's amazing. These, these poor SDRs who are just trying to get someone to react. Um, no, I think, I think it is the ones that I would, there are some kind of clever techniques certainly, and those, those can be effective, but it, it does come back to someone who has done a bit of research and knows, um, me and knows my business and can say something about the fact that they've, they've done the work to start to build some level of trust. You know, a lot of SDR models, are are still, I think, too mired in in people liking each other. And, you know, we all know that no one buys from someone they like. They buy from someone they trust. It's been true forever. And uh, establishing trust is far different than establishing, you know, camaraderie. So I think it's um it it there there are tools, there are techniques, there are platforms. I don't think, again, we shouldn't leave it to chance. There's just too much goodness out there today to hope that the seller based on a simple framework can figure it out for themselves. We get more and more and more prescriptive so that it takes variation out of the result of the sales process. But for me, I've gotten contacted by people who actually compete with us trying to sell me something. Oh, it happens all the time. And it's like, person hey, just hasn't done any work. Yeah. You need to tighten up your filters a little bit. You, you need to spend a little bit more time. And, you know, I, I would much prefer we send, you know, half as many emails, but have them much more informed with research and targeted to the right persona uh, yeah. than, you know, spamming and, and having canned sequences that don't go anywhere. And if you're selling to key executives, you need to be relevant and tailored. They're not going to respond to a generic pitch, regardless of how compelling you think it is. Yeah. But if you can tie it to, I just read your annual report and I saw these three priorities and I believe we can help you with this one. Well, that's interesting. Or, you know, I appreciate when somebody says, hey, I read your blog and I really like this comment and I'd like to talk to you about how we can help with this or that. So uh, you, you've got to do your homework and ideally put that executive hat on and go, oh yeah, they're going to be measured at the end of the year by how many new users or by reducing costs or by increasing their market share or whatever that is, how can you help them achieve that objective? Because that's what's going to make the most difference to their bonus, to their shares, to, to their the outcomes they're trying to achieve. Yeah. So let's work our way around. We did our research. We've, we're, we talked about access. The other thing I'll just say about access is, you know, sure, email is great. And somebody mentioned, well, what channel or what tools are we using? I think it needs to be all bound. Right. That's where social comes in. If we've connected with them, if we followed them, maybe they see us first. And even things like outbound video that's getting a lot of attention these days, executives probably aren't going to respond to that first video if they have absolutely no who who no idea who you are. And you create that really compelling video, but they're like, I, I don't know this person. I don't have time to watch it. If they've seen you, they've engaged, maybe they've actually been on your website or they've seen something you posted. Now they get the video. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll listen to what Bob has to say. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and again, it needs to be very tailored to them 
and your chances then of a multi-pronged approach where you send the email, you send the video, but you highlight what's important and why they should watch it. You also, you know, ping on LinkedIn, we're going to use a multi-pronged strategy. So again, a uh, lot, lot of good comments there, but we've yeah, done some, that. some people are asking, right, just not to interrupt. Um, I think Linda, I agree. It's easy to talk about trust. How, how do you know? How do you know when your seller has established trust and that and that you've actually achieved a level of trust. And um, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure how to answer that uh, empirically, but the, I know we're in a, in the, a couple of late quarter campaigns right now that we need to close. And when we start getting information from uh, some of those trusted champions, because we've taken the time to build, uh, we've taken the time to build things to a point where we're getting bi-directional feedback from people and they start to give us information that is beyond the deal. What's going on in the company? What is going to sway the decision? Who else is involved in the decision that you haven't met or that hasn't been made visible to you? There's just, there are uh, areas where you start to see that trust has been established and it gives you a clear advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where, you know, understanding, I, I think trust is yeah, difficult to put an actual metric on, but we know the things that increase trust, right, is being credible, being timely, being responsive. It, it's all about putting deposits into that uh, that trust account. And if we do that over a long enough time, then, yeah, we can, we can test it in terms of, will they give us a referral? Are they giving us business, right, ultimately? Um, you know, will they take our calls? Do they see value in meeting with us? I think those are all good indications. Anytime I, I have a uh, salesperson say, well, you know, they're not calling me back and, and I can't get a hold of them. It's like, well, we, we haven't been compelling enough, right? It's not their job to call you back. Uh, we need to think ahead about what can we do for them? How do we pay it forward? And it's a, it's a long-term play often where we need to do multiple things without expecting an immediate payoff. We build that trust over time and then uh, ultimately convert it to, to business. Yeah, so, so, so I think that, that, and some of the others, just to mention a couple others, in specifically, um, if any of you are in, you know, the business of selling some kind of a technology platform, we all know we are. You all know that there's no shortage of us. <laughs> Everyone's trying to sell a technology platform that does one thing or another. Um, there's a clear trend when you when you do talk to a CIO or you talk to someone who needs to make sense of all these investments that they've made. There's a, there's a clear convergence going on. So people, as the economy tightens and as they're going to have to start looking at cutting costs, they're trying to look across their ecosystem of technologies and say, how many of these overlap and what could I do without if I had to, because one of the others fills that gap. And be really cognizant of that because that trend is clearly upon us and people are looking at what they can converge. And and by the way, as that's all happening, a lot of the, the software platforms in the industries we're all in, the spaces we're in, where we fit, those are converging. And that that's been we've seen that for you know at least a couple of big cycles of technology. But so technology convergence to cut cost, to make you know give salespeople few give the customers salespeople fewer interfaces that they have to look at in order to do their job. Those are all things that executives are interested in. The enablement people aren't so interested in, even some of the sales managers don't have visibility to all of it, but the executives know 
those things are critical to longer term success. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, let's work our way around. We we did a research, we got access, we're doing the meeting. I think, you know, as we talked about, most executives don't feel those meetings are successful. The thing I would encourage everyone to think about is if they only have 15 or 30 minutes, what is going to be so compelling that you get the next step? And I think where it often breaks down is this isn't a typical sales call, right? I'm going to show up. I'm going to do my presentation. I'm going to talk about next. I need to have a really clear ask in mind. And I think that's often what we hear is, oh, we need to sell higher. We need to book the meeting. Well, what are you going to say when you get there? And why would that executive want to meet with you? And what are you going to ask for? Are you asking for an endorsement? Are you asking them to review a proposal? Are you asking them to communicate with their team as a result of the meeting that you know they, they should meet with you? So we should have a very clear outcome in mind before that meeting and plan around it so that we're very you know efficient with the time and very focused. Bob, what are some of the things that drive you crazy or you've seen you know with some of your clients? In terms of those executive meetings, um, yeah, the the sales behavior that would drive me crazy is if they if if my any one of our sellers don't follow. We use the Sandler sales methodology, and you all you know you know Ray your methodologies, and everyone's got one that they follow. But again, it's it you know sales is a process, and and our sellers need to be very good at following the proven steps in what makes a meeting great. So we do something in that process we call an upfront contract. You have to make sure people know why you're there. They agree to at least a somewhat structured agenda that you have for your call. Um, you allow the executive to challenge that if that's not why they thought they were coming to the call right away before you get started, before you start unloading information. Um, and then a real balance between who's doing the talking and um and how many questions are we asking? And are they good questions? And are they getting one-word responses or or good, meaningful responses? Now, again, technology. We now have lots of technologies in market because a lot of these calls are are like this one and can be recorded. And people don't mind. And people are accepting recordings. We can analyze. We can use technology to analyze the calls, feed it back into the coaching of the sale sellers to make them better at these calls, executive business leader or simple influencer and, um, and, you know, other key personnel who are involved in somewhere in the, in the decision process. But um, yeah, we're using technology, our own and others. We are making sure that we eliminate variation in the process and that there isn't quite honestly too much free thinking out there by the sellers that there's, you know, we we aim them at something. They they know what our process is, and they can follow the process, and then use their skill, then use their knowledge, as how we said their competence, their their initiative to uh, build trust with people. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I will address questions at the end as well because I know a, a number have come up. But uh, I I think being you know being prepared, we're probably familiar with call plans, but we need to put that executive hat on again and think about their situation. And so the thing that I, I would just like to leave on the meeting and then working towards a proposal is when we have that objective and we're planning, think about their time. If you you can probably see uh, in a on the public disclosure and their annual report, how much that executive makes if it's a publicly held company. 
divide that by 2000 and get an idea of how much time that meeting is worth from an hourly rate, right? It's probably worth hundreds of dollars. And if you have multiple executives, even thousands of dollars. So you better be pretty prepared and, and particular about how you're approaching that. And then actually creating that objective, sending it in advance, the idea of sending the agenda. I love sending a video, a short video in advance saying, Bob, I'm really excited to meet. We're going to cover these three things. And this is why I think it's important. Um, and then afterwards, the same thing. So we're highlighting the value we're bringing and we're being a, a, attentive. And then in our proposal, we're doing the same thing. This is why this is compelling. Uh, and we talk about that more in our program, but this is what you can do to make that proposal resonate. So I know we're coming up on the top of the hour. I just wanted to talk about, you know, how do we enable our teams as we started saying, if things are changing, we need to be more relevant, more compelling. How do we actually get behavior change and get these skills across? And we think this idea of this blended training approach is really critical. And it's something that certainly a Lego very much in align with. Uh, and as we've evolved, we love in-person instructor-led training. You know, the virtual instructor-led training during COVID was huge. We've got a lot of e-learning assets and people have been through that. But the, the answer, I think, is really, no, it's blended. And we'll use a blended approach to say, well, here's the content, but now let's get together and collaborate and discuss and work together and let's share how we're applying. And we have some great stories I can tell about you know, how people have gotten value from each other and helped each other improve their game and close deals. But Bob, how are you seeing this across your clients? Because I know this is a big part of, of how you go to market as well. Yeah, it's a sweet spot because it's, it is exactly how we go to market, Ray. Um, yeah, we're, we're seeing, I think blended is a good description. Uh, you know, certainly there's a place uh, still for traditional training methodologies, but um, there's just lots of you know, very trusted research and proof in in I would say across any sales model that that humans learn certain ways and certainly sellers learn in those ways and uh, all of the things that we all know and hear about giving sellers the information that they need as a foundation, but then then allowing them to very easily access it at the moment of need. So I've got a call tomorrow. I don't remember exactly what I was taught three months ago about a product or a market or a competitor, but if I have access in short form that I can get to quickly to prepare myself and refresh myself on a concept I need to know for my meeting tomorrow, and that is something that is so well delivered anywhere I am in any in the format I need, on the device that I need it on, anytime I need it. Now, now we've gotten real powerful capability, not just to train people, but to make sure that they have the information and the reinforcement and the knowledge they need before they go into a conversation. So in our world, in modern learning and modern sales content management, learning and content have completely converged. They're not only not siloed technologies and siloed functions within businesses anymore, but if you really want to understand what makes sales more effective design your programs from the seller back, not from the training forward, because it doesn't work. Yeah, that's so great. And I think everybody's gotten Zoom fatigue and we can't necessarily be in person as much as we might like. Uh, so we need to figure that out. And I think those that really resonates with me. And I just wanted to share a couple of, of pieces of feedback we had from a program we ran on these concepts, but in a collaborative environment. 
Um, they found the benefit from the live sessions, collaborating with the team, in addition to all of the content, and they learned from their peers and weighed in on questions and heard different points of view. To me, as a facilitator, and I've been doing this for a little, little bit, that's exciting to see how it comes to life with the leverage of the technology and using social and discussions and, and ongoing. Uh, and we just wanted to share, this could be a topic for a whole nother webinar, but you know how we can cover some of these topics uh, using some of the, the tools and technology that's out there. So I know we're coming up on the top of the hour. We want to just give a couple of uh, shout outs. One, this is a, a, a Lego checklist. I think uh, something your team has put together, Bob, on uh, virtual selling and virtual meetings, some of the things we've covered here. So if people want to uh, hit that or, or use the QR code, we will make the slides available. Uh, and then um, in terms of just from a sales readiness group perspective, this is an upcoming workshop uh, that we have on selling to key executives. So I just make that available uh, for, for people's information. I think uh, Alonzo will put the uh, link to that in the chat here. And also it'll be in the recording, but if anyone wants to take advantage, I know we had a couple of questions um, coming up on the hour, uh, but uh, Bob, I just wanted to thank you very much for spending the time with us. We talked about selling to key executives, how to position ourselves as a partner, the things we can do to, to really get access and get that mind sp space with a key executive and using this research access meet and propose strategy uh, for a successful meeting. Anything else you'd like to uh, to cover before we wrap here, Bob? No, not really. Just to say thank you, Ray, and thank you to everyone who joined. And um, just thanks for all the comments. I read every one of them, and I, I'm sure that I learned just as much from, from reading your comments as you certainly heard from me. But I... Um, I would say don't don't settle um, for just sort of uh, your your existing technology if you don't think it's doing the job, and don't settle for your existing methodology if you think it might be a little bit dated because it wasn't a lot great in the last two years, but it it accelerated both how we do things and the technology and the capabilities we have to do them. It, it, things have have really it's been a sea change. So don't, don't, if you haven't looked lately, look at uh, sales effectiveness technologies, sales enablement technologies. Um, they don't need to be siloed. They're converging into simpler things to use for your sellers, which is really the key. That's great. Very well said. And I'll just cover one quick comment. There was a question about sales, favorite sales methodology, which is probably beyond the scope of this conversation. But what I will say is, Think about skills regardless of methodology. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether it's four stages, five stages, six stages, whoever's providing, obviously there's a lot out there, but your sellers need the skills to execute. And the skills around call planning and asking great questions and having executive level conversations, those can transcend a methodology. So at least our perspective is let's focus on skills and behavior. And mm -hmm. we can overlay that on however you happen to go to market. Because the last thing the sales team yeah. wants is a brand new shiny object. You got to do it a completely new way. Um, no, let's work on building the skills. So, Alonzo, I know. The market is changing, making sales skills more important than ever before. How to transform your team into big performers? If you want the answer, plus free resources for podcast listeners, visit salesreadinessgroup.com slash podcast. <laughs>